Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through Matrix on the 23rd of October 2012. For newcomers, you should make good use of the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. There's well over a thousand audios for free download there and you'll start to understand the big system you're born into, the games that go on, the big foundations that run the world that you don't vote in. They're private foundations owned by the big money bags themselves, the guys who owned a good part of the world, even the 1800s through the 1900s, and now they're going for the whole thing, which is the whole planet, basically. All mineral resources, all resources of all kinds, including you, human resources, and they literally see this as a scientific type of system they're bringing in to run the world properly, the way it should be run in a post-democratic era. And uh, I go through this, I mention the big boys themselves, uh, their meetings that they had at the turn of the 20th century, and how their pre-existing organizations amalgamated into the Royal Institute of International Affairs, or Foreign International Affairs, and the Council on Foreign Relations. And lots of them published their memoirs, and uh, they also published their participation in these big organizations, these world meetings, and outlined their whole plan. At that time, people were still kind of uh, going along with science as the big saviour, and there was no great hullabaloo about it at the time. It seemed too far off. However, they've changed society generation by generation because they run the culture too, mind you, down to the base of, and, and down to the pits, actually, so they can control you for the rest of your lives. You have no defences left. You've been run by psychology and marketing, and these guys are professional at controlling the mind. So help yourself to that. Remember, two of the sites listed on the comm site are the official sites. They all carry uh, audios for download, and you can also get transcripts from them too in English for print-up. Go into Alan Watt Sentinel.eu for transcripts in other languages for printing up. And you are the audience too that brings me to you, so you can keep me going by buying the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com because I don't bring on advertisers and who or company owners to sell you products. And at the same time, too, remember, if you go into cuttingthreemates.com, you can order it there. From the U.S. to Canada, you can still use personal checks or international postal money orders from the post office. Uh, you can use PayPal or send cash. Across the world, same thing. Straight nations are awfully welcome to remember. And... Um, as I say, across the world, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal, and straight donations are awfully welcome. Because, uh, as I say, uh, I don't bring on advertisers as guests. I don't get money back from products that are sold, etc., etc., etc. And that's the way to kind of keep yourself kind of clean. Otherwise, you have to go into big business, and then in comes your own. Well, you go along with certain marketing strategies, etc., and then you have to start chronology to get more and more cash in and use the same techniques that are used in mainstream. We live in a, a very um, 
it's not a complex world. It seems complex simply by all the sciences that are used against the, the public every day. There's not a movie you can watch. There's nothing, not a comedy you can watch that hasn't been weaponized. Literally, authors and, and scriptwriters are given cash to write certain PC uh, topics into their, their scripts. Even in cartoons, even in children's books, the government gives them that. That's how you're updated so simply and easily uh, from a very young age with the political topics that's going to be big things in your life as you grow up. You're, you're already conditioned to go along with the, the side that's pointed out for you to go along with. It's all science, you see. And big players, as I said, back in the 50s and even before that and afterwards, have, have added to the information because they love to boast about what they can do and how they can manage the vast herds, as they call the people. And Bernays himself uh, put out a lot of stuff. Uh, he kept a lot of secrets back, mind you, but a lot of stuff on how to do it back after these messages. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and I've gone over the system so many times about the occult symbolism and everything and symbolism is everywhere. Uh, look at all the logos for the big corporations, international corporations across the world. It's quite something to see and you can't uh, simply ignore them and say oh, it's all coincidence. It can't be coincidence when they come from very ancient times. I used to be amazed too at Washington DC because when you go there too, uh, you, you'll find symbols going all the way back to Babylon, for goodness sake. They say it's the eagle bird, but it's actually a phoenix bird. You'll see it on most things. And um, and then big obelisks and obelisks and all that. It's, it's astonishing that people grew up with this thinking it must be normal. Even though they thought that at one time there was a Christian culture there, it certainly wasn't the, the dominant culture that ran the country. still isn't either, for that matter. But you see the same thing in the ongoing uh, EUSSR, the, the Soviet Socialist Republic of Europe, this big megalithic structure, this parliament they have, which is non-democratic, which uses a guise of democracy because the politicians get to scream at each other and have long tirades, sometimes comical, but they actually have no power whatsoever to vote on things and change things at all. So it's run by a secret group at the top. And it always it didn't make any ever really any claims that it was going to be democratic, mind you. And uh, and it does have a shadow bunch at the top, literally running the whole thing. People don't even know who they are. And there's no doubt about it. Two lots of the old communists, I'll call them that, and be polite, but they're also in power in this this new EUSSR. Uh, here's an article here from Britain about that too, because. They, oh, they showed you one of their posters now. They're famous for putting out posters in the EU. Uh, sometimes it's a circle of stars, 12 stars and all. They said they never go beyond 12, no matter how many members they get. And um, on a blue background, it's exactly the same symbol, by the way, that the US used to have an air flag, for those who don't know that. It wasn't stars at the top. It was before that. It, it literally has, it was a circle of stars, not them spread across Left to right, it was a circle of stars they had at the time, but they're 13 in the U.S. But uh, it's, it's amazing how things crop up again and again, and you give no explanation. So this time they put all the symbols of the countries and the regimes they've had in the past 
uh, all, almost all of them, into a five-pointed star. This is the logo they're showing on their posters, because five-pointed star is awfully, that's the old symbol of masonry and before masonry too. And uh, there's five points to masonry, as they say, uh, but there's also five agendas, you know, to, to control the world, if you haven't figured that out too. And this, this, this article starts, it says, I used to find the EUSSR trope tedious, but now it says, take a, a close look at the promotional poster. Notice anything alongside the symbols of Christianity, Judaism, Jainism, and so on is one of the wickedest emblems humanity has conceived, the hammer and sickle. For three generations, the badge of the Soviet Revolution meant poverty, slavery, torture, and death. It adorned the caps of the Cheka's who came in the nights and opened and closed the propaganda films which hid the, the famines. It was forced famines that killed millions, even uh, poor um, Hungarians had uh, another one. So at least they lost about six million just in the famines alone, forced famines. It took all the peasants, seed and everything off them, left them to starve. It's advertised the people's courts where victims of purges and show trials were condemned. It fluttered over the re-education camps, which we have in America and elsewhere now too, and the gulags, which we have in America as well. <laughs> it's amazing how things change and stay the same. Eh? For hundreds of millions of Europeans, it was a symbol of foreign occupation. Hungary, like the EU flag itself, Hungary, Lithuania and Moldova have banned its use and, and former, uh, various former communist countries wanted to be treated in the same way as Nazi insignia, which isn't on this particular five-point star. It says, yet here it sits on a poster in the e- European Commission advertising the moral deafness of its author, and it says, I hope that's what it is rather than lingering nostalgia. This is the Bolshevist uh, sigil, celebrates the ideology which in strict numerical terms must be reckoned the most murderous ever devised by our species. And it really incredibly was way beyond the Nazi stuff, way beyond it. People have their own people and other people say slaughtered and their whole reign of power is just astronomical. And forced, as I say, forced famines. There's the most, uh, Lenin and, and, and right down into, into Stalin, they wiped out whole classes of people. And they boasted about wiping out classes of people, including the little guys at the farm and these little peasant farmers. It says that, that it can be passed unremarked day after day in the corridors of Brussels is nauseating. I'd add to that how it can pass day after day without getting mentioned in Hollywood. Ever wonder why Hollywood doesn't ever come down on their communist system? I mean, some are folk out there who know, I'm sure. But I'll, I'll put this article up tonight for those who have got a bit of uh, interest in it. Most probably maybe it's a passing thing for most folk. But uh, there you go. You've got the five-point star and everything's in it, including the the the, the communist uh, hammer and sickle, you know, and its little star as well. Because it's, this, that, that, the, the sickle used to also represent the new moon, the Nazi moon, the nation moon, you see. And uh, a little star comes off it as well, which is another symbolic uh, system of something being born, you see. And also, this one here is another site. It's at the, the British Parliament right now. They're having uh, discussions with the United Nations about their millennium uh, goals and have different names for it as well. And there's a little video to go with it. You'll hear the little clips about uh, what they call themselves. They love grandiose titles, don't they, the United Nations, like Supreme Commanders and Supremeness and all the rest of it. And here's got, around the same Millennium Goals in Agenda 21, they're calling it Post-2015 Development Goals. Because we used to catch on to what it means, they keep changing their name. They actually admit that on their own website, by the way, in the United Nations. 
but it says here, who's there? Amina J. Mohammed, United Nations high-level panel, high-level panel of eminent persons on the post-2015. And the reason I call it post-2015, that this came out with another addition, the next part of this whole Millennium and Agenda 21 project uh, called post-2015. So it throws folk off who don't know what it means. Now you do know what it means. And I'll put this up tonight too. Uh, it's with the United Nations Millennium Campaign, uh, John Arthur, UN Foundation, and Andrews Doward School of Oriental and African Studies, because they want to re- depopulate fast in, uh, in the African countries. They've always wanted that. Now, with all the talk about Jimmy Savile, Jimmy Savile, Jimmy Savile, and the BBC, of course, which works for the government, basically it's, it's the most basic propaganda machine they've ever had. And uh, it's always been staffed by the same kind of characters. I could go on deeper with that, but I won't. But they, they, they really, um, are, are, there's articles today in the paper where the head of the BBC decided to drop the inquiry into Savile and the higher-ups, etc. Basically, they have to because they can't take it any further or they'd have to be all exposed. They'd go on forever exposing people after people, very important people. And this guy actually said at the head of the BBC, well, you know, you can't really class them all as, it wasn't as serious as all that. Some of them were teenagers, you know, like like 13 and 14 that Savile raped, you know what I'm saying? So some of them were teenagers, and that was okay, he says. It was different back then. Really? There you go. That's a reason for dropping it. They can't go any further with it, because it, remember Savile was pally with, with Prince Charles and and so on, because he, as Savile said himself, he was not a grass for the royalty. He kept his mouth shut, and he he was a procurer. What do you think a procurer means? What do you think that means, folks? What's well, interesting because Prince Charles was going to release stuff and recommendations of changing laws in Britain. And a whole bunch of British, um, I guess, fail-safe systems kicked in to try to grab them before they're made public because, I think, of the scandal that's going on. But says the Prince of Wales' letters to ministers, that's politicians, it must be kept secret because their contents would seriously damage his future role as king if, if they were made public. The Attorney General has ruled. And it says that Dominic Grieve moved to avert a constitutional crisis by blocking the release of 27 letters containing particularly frank views that could cast doubt on the prince's political neutrality. He said it was in the national interest to ban publication letters because if he forfeits his position of political neutrality as heir for the throne, he cannot easily recover it when he's king. Last month, three judges ruled that there was an overwhelming public interest in releasing the letters sent by the Prince to seven departments in Tony Blair's government to shine a light on the way the heir to the throne lobbied ministers on a weekly basis for all kinds of things. Mr. Grieve overturned the decision, saying there was an exceptional case for him to use this veto to prevent the Prince's most deeply held and personal beliefs becoming public. The move ended a seven-year freedom of information battle over the public's right to see the prince's correspondence. However, it served only to reinforce the view that he sought to influence policy. And I'll put that in too. As I say, it's it's, it's no coincidence it's all been done at the same time that uh, the Savile row has come up. I don't think there's any coincidence at all about that. And also, too, there's another article from another paper, the Daily Beast, that says Prince Charles's black spider memos, because the way he scribbled, they call them the spider scribbles, won't be released, and accused Charles of meddling in government business. 
says the British government has stepped in to block the imminent release of a series of letters written by Charles to government ministers known as the Black Spider Memos due to this prince's spiky handwriting, handwriting and use of black ink. It's rumored that many of the letters, which tend to be on pet subjects such as architecture and alternative healthcare, I think it's alternative other things too, begin with the words, it really is appalling, he says. It really is appalling. It really is appalling, is it? So anyway, they've all been grabbed by uh, people who make sure that he doesn't put his foot in it and the public won't see what he's up to. And a Canadian got grabbed by Israeli, in his Israeli detention right now, and he's a former head uh, of the NDP party, and uh, he was a parliamentarian in parliament. It says, Jim Manley's Israeli detention on way to Gaza leads family to ask the feds for help, it says here. The family of former New Democrat MP Jim Manley, who was arrested on board a ship trying to break through the Israel's blockade of Gaza, is asking the federal government to help secure his release. This is the family of the former NDP, New Democrat Party MP, who was arrested on board a ship trying to break the Israelis' blockade of Gaza, is, is hoping that the government will step in. I'll be back with more on this after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, talking about a, uh, an ex-parliamentarian of Canada, uh, the head of the NDP at one point. Uh, he was in, in Ottawa as a parliamentarian. Anyway, he's 79 years old now, and he's been retained because he went in trying to bring stuff into Gaza with a flotilla, and the Israelis have got him in jail. So it says here... Um, an official for Foreign Affairs Minister John Baird of Canada said Monday the government recognises Israel's legitimate security concerns over flotillas, in, flotillas into Gaza. We have strongly urged those wishing to deliver humanitarian goods to the Gaza Strip to do so through established channels. Unauthorised efforts to deliver aid are provocative and ultimately unhelpful to the people of Gaza, Baird's spokesman Rick Roth <laughs> said in an email. So anyway... Uh, the stuff that goes through the, the, the right channels, of course, ends up going through Israel and doesn't get to the people. That's what the, basically why they have these flotillas going in. It says the ministry said it's monitoring the situation closely and has been in contact with Manley's family. And uh, it says Israel's interior minister says the activists will be questioned and deported to their home countries within 72 hours. And uh, blah, blah. So I'll put this up tonight too. There's two articles on it. But folk are still trying to take aid in. And the same things happen in every country is rather cowardly when it comes to standing up for Gazan's rights. And also here, Grain Corps receives U.S. takeover offer. This is for Australia. Australia's getting sold off piecemeal, you know, to China. But also you have the big uh, agribusiness boys, the five biggies that own the world's food supply. That's what they're going for. Because that is the agenda, remember, of the Royal Institute for International Affairs, that when they set up their group, Milner Group, etc., took over from Milner Group, they wanted to take over all the resources of the water supplies, food supplies, everything. And here we are living through the end part of it. No one thinks anything about it. But it says, analysts say there may be a bidding war for Green Corps for the United States food company made a $2.68 billion takeover offer for the Australian grain handler. 
Greencore says it received a non-binding cash offer of $11.75 a share from the agribusiness giant Archer Daniel Midland, Adam for short, you know, Adam with the earth, did dig the earth and all that. So it says that the takeover proposal is subject to due to diligence and must be approved by EDM's board. So one after another, same in, in New Zealand, things are going on big time as they sell off a lot of what used to be countries because it's the end of nation states, you understand. And they're in the region now where China is already designated to, to rule over all those countries, uh, according to the big boys. And also, people really adapt so well to their prisons, don't they? As long as they've got lots of entertainment and stuff to go on, they adapt and adapt and adapt. Plus, you have a generation who grew up through school already who've gone through metal detectors and have had their lockers ready and all that things. So they're, they're conditioned, there's no privacy, and they're, all, they're on all their latest cell phones to, to, to further that no-privacy idea. They don't mind it at all, so the young don't mind it. But city buses in Baltimore will begin recording the conversations of bus drivers and passengers this week in a security move that's upset privacy advocates and some Maryland lawmakers. The first 10 buses will be expanded. I mentioned it there night there to 340 by next summer as a result of a decision by the Maryland Transit Administration. Now it's your voice and it's your, your video too and everybody you're with as well, and they want to know everything you're saying to everybody else. It's going to be recorded and kept for security reasons, you understand. And uh, nobody will really mind. I really don't see anybody minding about it at all. It's a chart on their cell phones too. And in Scotland, there was a... Yeah, people who have never lived near these big um, uh, windmills for, for power have no idea of the sound and racket they make. They have no idea... That's why uh, they put them in, try, try put them in faraway places, like people who voted them all through in Britain. It's all House of Lords, so they all get them put on their big estates that they don't live on, and the, the peasants can suffer the racket, you see, and then they, they're guaranteed all the cash they flow in from all the suckers they call the British people. It says a local authority has forced Scottish and Southern Electricity to shut down a Sutherland wind farm after the company breached planning controls by failing to deal with excessive noise from the development. People living close to the Alkany wind farm near Rose Hall are claiming that their lives are being made a misery by the constant noise and they're angry that their complaints are being ignored. It's night and day. I mean, it's night and day, these things. In an unprecedented move, uh, Highland Council issued a temporary stop notice on the 23rd turbine wind farm at 3 p.m. on Monday. The turbine blades at the £55 million built by the taxpayer 40 megawatt wind farm, which came on stream in July last year, stopped turning that night. The stop notice will remain in place for a month until July 4th, when the shutdown uh, representing a judge, a huge financial loss uh, to the power company. Don't worry, the taxpayers pay that up, because these are owned by the big boys. There are rackets. You never meant the birds you see getting chopped up going through them. You know, the birds that are left after they're dying off with the aerial spraying all the time, the chem sprays. Also, in these days when, when the U.S. is moving in uh, various weaponry and missiles around Russia, it's interesting to watch that, and Russians keep complaining about it, and we yawn as usual and turn on the TV and watch the comedies. Russia isn't standing back and doing nothing at all. It says exercises of strategic nuclear forces um, completed in Russia. And it says, um, large-scale exercise of the strategic nuclear forces under the command of the President Vladimir Putin have completed in Russia, the President's press secretary Dmitry Peskov reports. He says that these were the first nuclear force exercise on such a large scale in Russia's modern history. On Friday, a Topol intercontinental ballistic missile was successfully launched from the Plesik, uh 
Cosmodrome in the, the Arkhangelsk uh, region, it says. And it goes through the different ones that they tried. Uh, missiles, anti-missile missiles, and all that kind of stuff. All success according to this article here. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix, talking about the big worlds that we think we live in. Because we don't really live in it in a sense, we exist in it. But living is a lot happier than what we've got right now. And there's also so many articles out there about homeland security and etc. We're not supposed to ever know what they're really up to because, so they, so they give us very simplistic stories about them. But homeland security and FEMA and all that came out of something that came out years before called Operation Garden Plot. You'll find it on Wikipedia. Not that that's the greatest site either. Wikipedia is run by another country. But anyway, it says, uh, it says here, um, Operation Garden Plot, also known as the Department of Defense Civil Disturbance Plan, 18 USC 1385 Posse Comitatus Act, is a general U.S. Army and National Guard plan to respond to major domestic civil disturbances within the United States. The plan was developed in response to the civil disorders of the 1960s and is now under the control of the U.S. Northern Command, that's called NORTHCOM. It provides federal military and law enforcement assistance to local governments during times of major civil disturbances. The Garden Plot Plan, uh, drafted after the Watts, Newark and Detroit riots, captures the acrimonious times when the document was drawn up. The sections outlining the Army's perception of the situation in America certainly insinuates an establishment that was afraid of the disenfranchised. The plot warns against racial unrest as well as anti-draft and anti-Vietnam elements. Eventually it was activated as later as Noble Eagle was called to provide military assistance to civil authorities following the September 11, 2001 attacks on the United States. The Pentagon also activated to restore order during the 1992 Los Angeles riots under Homeland Security restructuring. It's been suggested that similar models to be followed. Oversight of the Homeland Security missions should be provided by the National Guard Bureau based on the long-standing garden plot model in which National Guard units are trained and equipped to support civil authorities in crowd control and civil disturbance missions. And then you get this article, you see. It says the U.S. This is a, today's article. It says the U.S. Army plans to increase integration of active duty and reserve forces to align reserve units to regional commands to better meet their needs. This is from Northcom. It says uh, after 11 years of war since 9/11, the Army is going to have to meet its obligations with a smaller force. Army Secretary John McHugh said during the annual meeting of the Association of the United States Army Monday. I believe very strongly we can, in fact, already have started to do so, he says. To adjust force structure, equipment and training, McHugh seeks to integrate reserve forces and to continue to make use of operational reserves built by the Army since September 11, 2001, McHugh said. The capabilities of the Army Reserve and National 
National Guard as a trained and ready force are paramount to national security and stability, stability internal stability from the U.S. To that end, McHugh signed a directive for a total force policy, he announced Monday. The directive calls for the Army to man, train and equip active and reserve components in an integrated force with the goal of setting predictable, recurring and sustainable capabilities, permanent in their words. The Army will develop and implement unified personnel management, foster procurement programs for the total force, and facility opportunities for soldiers to move between different military components. They used to call it the MGTF, it was a Multi-Jurisdictional Task Forces in Canada, that's what I've got here already, which is also part of NORTHCOM. Which also means that the U.S. troops can come up here and Canadian troops can go down there if, if need be. In a panel later in the day, Major General James Young, Chief of Staff of the U.S. Army Reserve Command, said the Army Reserve in particular has been too fragmented in the past. And six years ago, the Army recognized the Army Reserve so that all units of a particular function aligned under unified command and control, Young said. Now the Army must assign its reserve units to regional areas of the world to fully provide combatant commands with capabilities they require. From a regional alignment perspective, it really allows us to understand very well true capacity and capability in each one of those functions, he said of the reserve units. The Army must make better use of engineering and civil affairs assets, for instance, 100% of which remains in the Army Reserve. So, I'll put this up tonight too, but they, they don't, they do know. I've also articles too, I was reading today about the amount of, um, I've read them in the past, mind you, over the last couple of years, uh, of the massive purchases of uh, Army equipment given to police forces throughout the United States. It's just boggling. It's boggling at the amount of it. Incredible. So I'll put this link up tonight and all these links up at cutting3dmedics.com at the end of the broadcast. And this article, too, is to do with Google. Now, Google, of course, is really part of the NSA for those who never figured it out. And it was from the beginning. And like public-private, you understand, you forget even the CIA has many legitimate corporate structures out there, front organizations, and the NSA has as well. And that throws you off the track. Some of them actually are based in Japan and elsewhere, where they make really top-grade products, even good stereos and stuff, but the real job is something else to do with high-tech spying and so on. But Google throws open doors to its top-secret data center. Well, it's not top-secret anymore, obviously, is it, <laughs> since I show you all these photographs. I'll put this up tonight too, and you see their wonderful insides of one of their major places where they collect all your data for the big boys who own you. I'll put that up tonight as well. Also too, this article is to do with um, scientists are now working to make humans immortal, it says. I say some humans immortal, because that's always been their goal, you know. It says, who doesn't wish, want to live forever on the earth, but death is inevitable. Human beings in the natural process of aging slowly move towards death. Of course, dreadful diseases like cancer often cause human beings to die young, I'd say in the general population, because that's the agenda. But it says, uh, scientists in advanced countries are now working vigorously on finding out the ways and means to extend human life expectancy. They're even aspiring to make humans immortal, some humans immortal, right? In 2009, Elizabeth Blackburn, Carol Greider, and Jack Sostak were awarded the Nobel Prize in Medicine for discovering the immortality gene, it's called. A gene that can help us live forever in good health with no fear of aging. But as ill luck would have it, the scientists, to their utter surprise, witnessed that the mortal gene in every cell of every human being is permanently switched off. 
Interestingly, the immortality gene produces a very important life-extending enzyme, which is capable of stopping, preventing, and even reversing the aging process. And when the immortality gene stops functioning, we age, our organs weakens, and our body system is attacked by various diseases, and eventually the inevitable happens and we die. Since meanwhile, cell biologists later discovered a kind of chain of repeating pairs of enzymes called telomeres on the tip of the DNA molecule. Telomeres help protect DNA's cap during cell division and copying of the cell. Due to repeated division, telomeres become ineffective. Different diseases also reduce the effectiveness of telomeres and gradually push us to death, accelerating the process of aging. You understand, too, it's also used as kind of information in bio and chemical warfare against you to make you age faster and get the diseases quicker and you die off. And that really is how they found this thing in the first place. How do you kill the folk faster? It says, although no method or means has so far been invented to switch on the immortality gene, well, you bet it has been done. Scientists are working on telomere biology for increasing the life expectancy of humans from present average 76 years of age to 150 years. David Suzuki, who is a geneticist himself, doesn't say it in his paper, but he was on television a few years back saying, if they want to, he says, we can now make a person live up to 500 if we want to. So this has always been the goal of the elite, you see. I mean, if you're a kind of demon or a demonic figure, uh, the, the greatest thing you can get is a host, because to, to, they have no sensations in you know, the demon world. You can't feel anything. So they get into, into the straws cans position, and they can go into all these orgies and things, snort all the stuff they want, and, and every emotion, they can say, oh, they love it. So if you can fix them in time and make them immortal, they're here forever. Wouldn't that be just, uh, uh, what, what would that be? <laughs> Wouldn't it be wonderful? Voters in Iceland back a new constitution and they give themselves more resource control. And it says uh, residents of Iceland have voted for the constitution to be rewritten in the wake of the 2008 bank crisis, electing to take greater control of natural resources such as fish and geothermal energy. Results of the referendum showed Sunday. The collapse of the island's heavily indebted banks led to demands for change after accusations of cronyism between the political elite and business. Same the rest of the world, it's all corruption. The referendum is non-binding, but backers of change hope that the politicians will find it hard to ignore, even though Parliament is responsible for adopting a new constitution, and the main opposition party has said it opposes proposed changes. So they want them to give themselves the right over their own resources, as opposed to foreigners coming in, or doing it through the back way, through paying somebody off in their government, and, uh, and so on and so on. But it's got articles here that have actually turned down big offers for foreign businesses to come in and, and do geothermal testing, etc. Now, pretty well every time they catch someone and claim that someone they've caught was going to put a bomb off in the US or elsewhere in the world, it's always been a sting operation that the FBI has set up themselves. And they get some gullible person that follows some uh, person with a lot of exposure on the internet has been left alone, strangely enough, who's been awfully rabid about things, and they follow them and then the FBI set them up and get them dummy bombs and things, and then they arrest them and say, see, we're fighting terror, but it's all over the place. No, it wouldn't be there. The FBI wasn't doing it, obviously. So here's an article here about informants as well. Informants says New York police paid him to bait the Muslims. And it's a paid informant for the new U.S. Police Department's intelligence unit was under orders to bait fellow Muslims into saying bad things as he lived a double life, snapping pictures inside mosques and collecting the names of innocent people attending study groups on Islam, he told the Associated Press. And it says, um, 
Shamir Rahman, a 19-year-old U.S. citizen of Bengali descent, who has now denounced his work as an informant, said police told him to embrace a strategy called Create and Capture. He said it involved uh, creating a conversation about jihad or terrorism, then capturing the response to send to the NYPD. For his work, he earned as much as $1,000 a month and goodwill from the police after a, st- a st- string of mital, uh, minor marijuana arrests. That's what they often do. They'll get them on marijuana and they'll say, look, will you work for us? You see, simple like that. We need you to pretend to be one of them, Rath Raman uh, recalled the police telling him, it's street theatre. That's what they call street theatre when they set up the organisations all around you. And they can actually make you paranoid too if they're playing a game with you. You don't know that all the people around you are part of the street theatre run by the cops. Raman, who said he plans to move to the Caribbean, said he now believes his work as an informant against Muslims in New York was detrimental to the Constitution. After he disclosed to friends details about his work for the police, and after he was told the police that he had been interviewed by the AP, he stopped receiving text messages from his NYPD handler. Steve and his handler's NYPD phone number was disconnected. Raman's account shows how the NYPD unleashed informants on Muslim neighborhoods, often without specific targets or criminal leads. Much of what Raman said represents a tactic the NYPD has denied using. Britain's using it too, and Canada's been using it as well. AP corroborated Raman's account through arrest records and weeks of text messages between Raman and his police handler. The AP also reviewed the photos Raman sent to the police. Friends confirmed Raman was at certain events when he said he was there, and former NYPD officials who were not personally familiar with Raman said the tactics he described were used by informants. And so easy to just set up anybody. Somebody you trust comes along, you've met them a few times, and says, what do you think of this, what do you think of that? And you just blow off the top of your head and never think anything's going to happen, and you forget it, but the cops don't, and they come and get you. And this article here, too, is, um, I'll put this up again, I've done it before, but it's photographs of U.S. and NATO troops patrolling and, and protecting the opium poppy fields in Afghanistan. Nice photographs, nice sunny days and lovely big flowers. And that's what they're doing over there, apart from protecting the Chinese who are in there mining Afghanistan and putting oil fields in there, too. This article here is about Bush's secret bunker. Does he, what was it? Everybody's talked about, because we knew there was a secret bunker. In fact, when Bush was in, there's a whole bunch of new bunkers getting built for all the wealthy elite. This is Mount Weather is a top security underground installation an hour's drive from Washington, D.C. It has its own leaders, police, fire department, and laws, a Cold War relic. It's given a new lease of life since 9-11, and no one's been inside has ever talked about it. And I'll put this up again tonight because it's quite an interesting story and there's other ones to do with it too. It's interesting that because I remember Maggie Thatcher saying the same thing after a big demonstration of picking up the elite no matter where they are across Britain and even across in France, they used Harrier jump jets. They can come down you know, vertically and take off vertically. Awful expense to the people but it doesn't matter. And, uh, and helicopters too. And they took them to all these different underground bases. They're awfully well stocked for, for continuity of government, meaning continuity of themselves, even though we're all dead on, on the surface. And she said there was nothing for the public. And Britain's never had anything for the public. The Soviets even had big places in the Ural Mountains for the public all to be going into to try to survive. Britain had nothing because we're disposable, you see. And Thatcher said, which she got some heat for it, but 
She said, well, she says, you know, it says the leak must survive to continue the government, she says. And the, the SES guys would surround these places and gun down anybody else trying to get in and save their hides. Wouldn't be allowed if you're a nobody, you see. And nothing's much has changed, eh? You know, they had them thousands of years ago in Egypt. Herodotus talked about them, all these underground tunnels, he says. All they have always been at this sort of game. Same with castles across Europe. You've you've got tunnels, escape tunnels in different directions, way down underground, going through the castle rock and underground, and takes them out miles away. They've always been busy little borers, you might say. They definitely are boring people. But um, I'll put that up tonight as well. And then secret papers reveal funding refused to researchers looking into link between chronic fatigue syndrome and vaccinations. You understand, all... All these scientific releases they put out there, uh, are under are, all, all the research put out there, in fact, is done by the big foundations that guide research. Otherwise, we'd be researching into everything. We're not. We're actually going along certain ways. Again, immortality for the wealthy, genetic engineering to alter all of us into little, little, you know, little servants that will be awfully pleasant to our masters. But um. They use injections, too, to bring us down, dumb, and make us die off faster. And ster- sterilize the public, too, never mind the food, which is added to it. They haven't missed any base, you see. But secret papers reveal funding refused to researchers because chronic fatigue syndrome is awfully big now, and they, they don't want to talk about it, always after injections. So the secret papers hidden in archives for years clearly show that when medical researchers applied for funding to study the link between vaccinations and the debilitating condition known as ME-CFS, in more detail, their applications were turned down in favor of psychiatric research, which was said to be preferable. In other words, anyone with these symptoms, oh, it must be in your head. It's definitely not big pharma that's caused this, or the medical industry. So it says... Um, Medical professionals and researchers for years suspected there could be a link between vaccinations and the MECFS. This has been difficult to prove because much of the evidence supporting the MECFS vaccination link has either been suppressed or ignored for a variety of reasons, like suing the guys who are doing it. Before exposing secret documents that have been hidden from public view since the 1990s, the author will explain what it's meant by the terms ME and CFS. And it goes through this. And we'll be back with more on this after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, and uh, just before to our caller, I'll just mention that this article is about uh, chronic fatigue and the new names that they're giving it, uh, uh, myalgic encephalomyelitis, etc., and how it, you get it from the injections, and so on and so on. Now, there's Bill from Idaho uh, on the line. Is there, Bill? Yes, sir. Good afternoon. Yes. such an honor. It's a sad pleasure. A constant student of often enough to be able to ask questions, considering calling behind enemy lines. This is exactly where they threw uh, uh, Edgar Steele into the archipelago by virtue of the assistance of a Mr. Rocky Watson, Sheriff Wolfinger, under Sheriff, and uh, Mr. Uh, 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 
over in uh, Spokane, right along with the criminally corrupt and uh, dastardly FBI federal baby incinerators. I was wanting to double check, considering on the day of you remember exactly where you were, what you were doing. I uh, had asked a very well recognized patriot group leader <laughs> in regard to uh, placement of NORAD and where NORAD had been. It only took them four and a half years to start on looking at it. Nonetheless, all the nine, oh, one, one, and eleven. But the question is in regard to, sir, the prior history so that everybody understands the true implications, considering that you're still citizen enemy prisoner of war, that you would be able to uh, observe the plot uh, failed history of the Nuremberg and what the criteria lawfully were in regard to its formation and who was totally in control. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the Nuremberg, yeah? yeah. You're talking about the actual trials in Nuremberg? Yes, sir, but the... Yeah, if you go into... Adam Curtis did an excellent uh, documentary from, from England on the Nuremberg trials, and what was surprising, I don't, people don't know this, but Ed, uh, Bernays, the guy who helped create the culture in America, his, one of his relatives was given charge from Hollywood, by the way. A lot of Hollywood producers were, went over there, and he said that their mission was to make this war appear to be black and white, good guys versus the ultimate evil. And they hoped to get hours and hours to show the public. As you know yourself, they only show you that the pictures, uh, uh, the same old pictures over and over again, because the Nazis were giving a different story than what they expected. And they were telling them why they took over power and, and, and that they couldn't use democracy and explained why they couldn't do, use democracy that was totally infiltrated by the communist sect. And, uh, and so they had to cut all of that out and, and, and then just, uh, and still go along. And then they had to kill all the guys, hang them in case they ever said anything. But Adam Curtis did that documentary. It was, it was really, really good. They talked to some of the people, the U.S. servicemen who were there present at the time. And um, they added their two cents into it as well. But they hoped to get uh, about at least 14 hours solid of usable material to show the world that these were the ultimate bad guys and you were the ultimate good guys fighting them. But especially when it came to, I think it was Goring, uh, Goring told them, he said, we had to use a totalitarian system to take over. Otherwise, the communists would have... Uh, literally taken over all of Germany and that part may be true because the communists almost did take over the whole of Germany and the West tends to blur that out but Hollywood producers were there to make this documentary the world was to see guys who give you nothing but one-sided fiction it's quite fascinating so folks should try and get that Adam Curtis story on that there's a good video on it and probably the only one ever really done with a bit of truth to it but thanks for calling. And from Hamish, myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your gods go with you.